Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. This is our match preview. Newcastle welcome Crystal Palace to St. James Park on Tuesday evening. I'm joined by the peers, Damien Spellman, to have a look at that game as well as a look back on the January trance Windsor. All that to come on Everything. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Andrew Muscovia. here. It is transfer deadline day. I'm joined by the peers, Damien Spellman, and you're going to hear all about Newcastle's business on the final day of the window. We are recording this just before 4pm, so please do bear that in mind with any names, potential moves that we do talk about in the next half an hour or so. Damien, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks Andrew, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Looking forward to a busy evening covering transfer deadline day. And it's a bit of a rarity because Newcastle look like they're going to actually do some business on transfer deadline day, and that's where we'll start. It is in the midfield department, Joe Willock, and Hamza Chowdhury look like they will sign on loan. We are recording this just before 4pm, so by the time you listen to this, they may have signed, the deals may have fallen through. You know, that's just the way it is when you're cutting recording podcasts and such. But we do think they are going to sign. What do you make of, of those two players potentially arriving at Newcastle United? Yeah, um, I think they're, they're both players with, with a lot of potential. Um, I think the one thing you would have to say about the Newcastle midfield, even when the team has been playing well, is that legs are an issue in in midfield times. They tend to be quite one-paced, with the exception of, I don't know, he plays a bit further forward, Alanson Maximum. There's there's not a great deal of natural pace in there. I think um, both Chowdhury and Willock might be a little bit of a a step up in that respect. Uh, Both good technical footballers. Um, Chowdhury Newcastle fans will will remember from one particular incident where he, he showed the other side of his game, which I think was a bit unfortunate. But no, I think he's he's got a lot of a lot of abilities, a big strong lad, he gets up and down. Um and I and I think Willock as as well has uh, has that mobility uh, to bring bring something different to the side. With Chowdhury comes into a into that midfield and they are oversubscribed. There's a lot of central midfielders vying for two, maybe three positions in the team, depending on how Newcastle set up. But yeah, you mentioned there the legs is something that is missing. So that midfield position, that centre midfield position is something that has needed improvement. Um, but it does mean another body in there and lots of players vying for the same place, which is going to be interesting, but I guess competition is never a bad thing. No, that's right. Um, I think it's possibly the area where, in terms of bodies, that Newcastle are best served. I know there are a lot of central defenders, but um, in the midfield there, you know, you've, you've got Shelby and Hayden and the long staffs, um, and that, you know, you would you would have to say, with the exception of maybe Isaac Hayden, that it's not been a great. First part of the season for the for the other lads has been a lot of inconsistency. Sean Longstaff, as when he has played, has struggled to rediscover the form he had. 
uh, you know, when he and Hayden played in that that central pairing and looked very, very good. Um, Matty Longstaff obviously has had his injury problems and the contract situation. Um, and he hasn't, obviously hasn't captured the uh, the manager's attention enough at the moment. Um, John Joe Shelby, we, we all know, is a very, very talented player when he's on it. But when he when he isn't, he has struggled to influence games. So it doesn't it doesn't do any harm to to bring in a, a bit of added competition there, I don't think. We mentioned there the Longstaff brothers. There's been some interest in them over the past 48 hours. Watford interested in, in, in Matty Longstaff. Valencia linked with a move for Sean Longstaff. Do you think those two or one of those going out on loan for the remainder of the season because they're not really getting enough game time to develop them their game um, at Newcastle? Would you like to see them go out on loan, get some first-team football, and that puts them in good stead for pre-season and then you know, the season ahead? I think they both need to be playing football. You know, they're certainly Sean is at an age now where he needs to be playing regular football. Um, and I'm sure rather than sitting on the bench and not even making the, the match day squad, he would rather be out there kicking a ball and, you know, showing people the player it looked like he could be a couple of years ago. Um, you know, has I think he admits himself he was unsettled by the, the, the Man United link back in the couple of summers ago and I think obviously Matty's had the link with Udinese and that, that can unsettle players and, and you know we've seen that how good they can be um, but I suppose it's finding that consistency and level of performance and it wouldn't do either of them any harm although I suppose they would both like prefer to do it at Newcastle it, that doesn't seem to be an option at the moment certainly not for both of them so yes I could certainly see one of them at least going out and, and playing some regular football. <clears throat> some fans might ask, is Chowdhury any better than Matty Longstaff? And has Matty Longstaff really been given enough time to show what he can do? We know he played over that Christmas period, but he was just thrown in, wasn't he, against Man City and he looked a bit off the pace, but it was hardly surprising given that he really not had any game time at all, um, you know, due to uh, this and that. Do you think he's had a fair a fair chance to show Steve Bruce that he can be that midfield king, so to speak? Well, I don't think he has, but I think there are mitigating factors. That, as you say, he was out for a long time. His game is all about energy, so he's never going to come in and, and be straight back into his 100% best. Um, he, he's coming in in a difficult situation with a, the team struggling, Um and confidence has been an issue in the team, full stop. He's only a young lad. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's it's probably a bit harsh from both perspectives, really. Is It was a tough ask to throw him in there. Um, but by the same token, um, you know, there, there is a lot of competition in there. Um, and experience is what you need in difficult situations to a, to a great extent. So I can see it from both sides, but I think we all know that there's something there as a, as a player. He looks like he does have a real talent and ideally we'd want him to ful- fulfil that talent on, uh, on Tyne's side, but he is still a young and pretty inexperienced lad. Joe Willock's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's another one who can play in centre midfield, but he is versatile. He can play on the wing. He could probably play right wing back. And he's had a bit of game time this season um, under Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. But another one who probably needs to leave 
to get first team football to develop his, his career. I mean, and it would be probably a fair assumption that Arsenal let him leave with the uh, the guarantee of maybe first team football at Newcastle if he does end up here on loan. And again, though, you see if he's placed out on the wing, you've, you, you've got Jacob Murphy, who he's put in a good shift this season. He's maybe going to feel hard done by, um, you know, Almiron, St. Maximum. There's so many options again on, on the wide and that's not even probably Willock's preferred position. It's probably back in the centre where he would like to play. So it's it's another interesting element there with uh, Willock potentially arriving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that versatility is probably a good thing for Newcastle. It's probably not so good a thing for him because um, he could end up being shifter like poor Isaac Hayden this season. has played virtually everywhere but in goal, I think. Um, but yeah, he's he's a good, as, a, as most Arsenal players are, he's a good technical footballer, um, can play in a variety of positions. Um, he's got something to prove, I suppose. You know, if, if he wants to be in the Arsenal team long term, um, there's no better way to prove it than than by going out and, and influencing games for for Newcastle during this few months. Um, but again, he's a he's a he's a player who looks to have a lot of ability, um, but he he needs to nail down a place one way or another. Does the fact that Sebus is targeting two midfielders, two central midfielders, show just where Newcastle need to make a priority in the summer? regardless of this takeover ends up happening or not. And if Mike Ashley remains in charge, he's going to have to open that checkbook and, and bring in this midfielder, which they've been severely lacking. For you know, Most people would argue they probably haven't replaced Modi Army since he left. And you know, it's, it's, it's not going to come cheap. For you, what they're doing today, does that just prove where they do need to uh, strengthen in the summer? I think there's an element of that. I think it, it also largely depends who is the manager and how he wants to play, you know, because you, you you fit your players to your system. Or you can either fit your players to your system or build a system to fit the players you have. Um, now, the way Rafa played, the army was essential to that and did really well for Newcastle. Um, the system they played on um, Saturday, which worked very well for them, was to have, have you know, Isaac Hayden sitting there and, and Shelby and Hendrick a bit deeper. So um, I think, yeah, you do, as I said earlier, I think they do certainly need a bit more pace in midfield. Um, and if if Steve Bruce or whoever is manager wants to be able to play a variety of ways, I think you need a variety of different players or players who can do different things in a game. Um, as, as I said, I think, you know, apart from, maybe Matty Longstaff, who's all about getting up and about people. The rest of them are sort of similar kinds of players to an extent or like to occupy similar space. So it's, um, you know, it's a bit one-dimensional one at times. Um, so, yeah, anything that can freshen it up a bit and, and give a manager different options, I think, is is a positive. You mentioned their potential interest in the Longstaff brothers. Yedlin looks set to join Galatasaray, there's just a bit of an issue with, I think, the money he's bringing home. So that'll probably get ironed out and he'll leave. He's been a, been a good servant for Newcastle. Uh, very exciting when he gets going forward. Maybe his defensive attributes let him down somewhat. But, you know, nevertheless, he's had a good few years on Tyneside. And, you know, I think everyone will wish him well over in Turkey. Well, you, you couldn't 
ever question his his commitment to the cause and his and his effort. I mean, for I think it was five million pounds. He was he was a, supposed meant to be a stopgap sign, and he was brought in to fill a, a problem position. Um, I don't think anyone who'd seen him at Tottenham or Sunderland or anywhere else would have expected him to be Gary Neville. But um, you know, he filled that hole going forward under Rafa Benitez. He was the the one player in the team who had any pace, and I think. To an extent, that was to his detriment because teams knew that he was the only one going to inject any person. When he went, they knew if they won the ball to knock it over the top of him, there was a big hole there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he's he's done well for Newcastle. He's scored a couple of important goals as well, um, and and played his part in you know a difficult period in the in the club's history. You know. Well, coming back up and, and staying in the Premier League for those those three seasons uh, has been quite an achievement, considering the, the situation the club was in when uh, when they did go down. Hmm. Fascinating character as well. I remember doing an interview with him, and he's just one of these people who's got so many interests outside of football. You know, he's a bit of an influencer on uh, Instagram, but he's got politics and everything going on. It's a fashion, fascinating person to chat to aside from football. Um, as is Matt Ritchie, I imagine. I've never spoken to Matt Ritchie, but I imagine Matt Ritchie is another one who you can have quite an interesting conversation with. Although if you didn't agree with him, it would probably end quite abruptly. He is a man who looks like he's going to stay for now. Bournemouth um, wanted him. That's, you know, out in the open there. Had a bid rejected. Constantly linked with a return back to the South Coast. His family's still down south. One for the summer, perhaps. You know, he's just signed... Last year, a big contract, but he's not in the team. He's getting frustrated, understandably, um, one would argue. Uh, but again, another great servant. He's, it looks like, though, his time on Tyneside, if not coming to an end today, which we don't think it will, will probably come to an end in the summer. Well, yeah, you you wouldn't be surprised. Again, at, at Matt's age, he needs to be playing football for different reasons to the long staffs. But, you know, as He's older, there's perhaps not as many years left in his career now, so he wants to make the most of it. Um, and I, th- I think essentially that's why he came to Newcastle to play to play more football than he was getting at Bournemouth. Um, and yeah, again, you would you would have to say he's been been value for the money they paid for him. Uh, great servant, played key roles in each of the seasons he's, he's been here, scored some great goals, some important goals, brilliant attitude in in terms of demanding from other people and and demanding of himself. Um, always sets the standard, you know, even when it's not happening for him, he, he's running his legs off and giving everything he's got. Um, yeah, I think he's been been excellent for Newcastle. And I think, you know, if, if it came to the situation where, <coughs> excuse me, he was considered surplus to requirements or he could could be let go then I think um he would deserve that he would deserve that if the the club were to see fit to allowing him to move mm. oh it sets standards I think for the, for the team it sets the bar it's always great when I was back in the stadium watching the games to hear him shouting and you know making sure those in front of him were doing the job and then once he was sitting behind us I think and I think he was injured I think it was maybe against Arsenal first game of the season um, and he was just shouting and kicking every ball he was screaming at Yedlin for being out of position and this was him in the stands it was it was great yeah. to see and you know I think Newcastle will miss that and look he's not 
got the greatest ability, and I think he'd be the first to admit that. He's still a talented player, but what he he makes up for that in that passion and setting the standards for which every other player has to hit. Um, and he will, would be a big miss. I think he'll make an excellent coach in the future, potentially. Um, if Damien Newcastle sign Joe Willock and Chowdhury, um, you know, and we see Yedlin go out, we potentially see that one of the long staffs go out. How would you rate the transfer window? Um, yeah, well, it's a difficult one because it was always only ever going to be loans. And I, and I think loans are only going to... They rarely have a massive impact. I know the first season when Kennedy came in, he had he had that good half season and you know made a made a good contribution. Um, trying to think of, of others who've done significantly well in the past in a in a half season loan, but um, yeah, I think they would certainly wouldn't be any weaker. You mm. wouldn't say. Um, hopefully, they would be a bit stronger. But I think it just it would just freshen it up a little bit. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, it would give people a boost, wouldn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah, I think it would. I think it would. Um, and, it, you know, it gives, as I say, it gives the manager different options as well. Um, so, yes, you would, ha- you would have to say on reflection that it would, uh, it would be a positive. It would be a positive. But I suppose when you, you you'll only tell when when they're, they're slotted into the team. And I mean, I know Steve the, the loan signings he brought in last year. He, you know, Danny Rose, for example, played played a lot of lot of football. You know, and that's that's what they'll want. Um, you you would be unusual. You would think to bring in a loan signing and then not not play him in the majority of the of the games. But you know, given the the size of the midfield pool. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that how that actually works, and the fact that they're coming in, you know, albeit it was one game after a, a good performance where where standards have been set, and you would feel that the players who started on Saturday or certainly were involved on Saturday would think they would at least have a, a chance to reproduce that over the next couple of couple of games, couple of weeks. Definitely, I guess with. Both Willick and Charity, they've played a bit of football this season, so you would hope that they're not maybe as far behind as maybe Danny Rose was when he arrived. You know, he had to get himself up for fitness. So they have played a bit of first-team football. So fingers crossed they can come in and make an instant impact. You mentioned there the performance over the weekend, obviously a great performance against Everton, 2-0 win. And it was nice to be able to tune in the match of the day or to have the Sunday off and not be thinking... Goodness me, Newcastle were hanging on there, or goodness me, they didn't really deserve that victory because they did, and they never really looked that much in trouble. It could have been more um, if it wasn't for George Pickford saving from Wilson and Wilson missing a, a sitter. It was just a nice feeling to say, you know what, they deserved that. And mm-hmm. see on Twitter, you can see it in the match reports from the Nationals to, to ourselves here. It was just a nice weekend, and, and fair play to Steve Bruce and, and Graham Jones too for, for turning that around. Absolutely. I mean, it was chalk and cheese to what we'd seen in the previous two or three weeks. Um, you know, that they had a good shape, they had better energy, that they had a plan, you know, that it it's it was it was like the good days of, of Rafa, you know, when when Rafa had set up his team for a, a specific job 
and that they all performed to the test. The high press didn't let Everton in on the ball. And I thought were, early on there were a couple of worrying moments when James got got free and was allowed to pick people out and they got forward. Um, but apart from that, I thought they just marshalled them really, really well. Um, and were a threat, you know, Wilson running the channels for them. Um, <clears throat> I thought Jamal Lewis had his, his best game yet for Newcastle. You know, it showed up that side really well. Um, Almiron freed up from some of the, you know, tracking back those 60, 70 yards back into his own fullback corner. He was able to turn and run with the ball and 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 do what what we know he can do. So I, I thought it was just a very, very positive performance. The problem, the worry for me is that we've seen that once or twice in the past this season and then it's gone back to some pretty ordinary performances. But no, everyone, including the manager and the coaching staff, deserves a lot of credit for that because it was needed in so many ways, but it was it was uh, very, very decent. Mm, you mentioned that because they had, uh, you know, they'd beaten Everton previously and then didn't really build on it. They'd beaten Crystal Palace, ironically, then they beat yeah. West Brom, but they struggled against West Brom and they were fortunate. And then they drew against Liverpool, and didn't build on it. And obviously this is part of this run that Steve Bruce has now ended. But you're right, you know, the 20 minutes against Leeds was only 20 minutes of positive football if they built on it. They did do against Everton, but then this game was only a positive result if they beat Crystal Palace and continue to go forward, which is what they need. Hopefully they can. Um, what I loved about Everton was we had Isaac Hayden back in the middle. I thought he was absolutely superb. You talk about the system, that, that little triangle of passes between Shelby, Hayden and Hendrick, and then that allowed Wilson or Almiron to come in and, and you know bring bring each other into play, which was brilliant. You had the commitment for that second goal, you know, St. Maxman and, and Lewis Nelly pushed one another out the way to get to the ball, you know, and then it was a nice little assist for Lewis. You had Almiron, like you say, free. And, but even though he, he was more of an attack and roll, he was, there was one moment when he, he tackled, uh, he tackled uh, Rodriguez in the box and he got a foul out of it. And it was, that was needed because it gave Newcastle a bit of relief, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of an impact do you think Graham Jones had on that? Now, it's been a bit of a debate on social media. Steve Bruce answered it in his press comments today, so it was an inspired choice. Um, look, if they'd beaten Everton, it was always going to happen, you know, and that's just the way of the world. But uh, how much of an influence do you think he had? Well, do you know what? Having taken one session, I'm not sure it can have been much of an influence, but of course he'll have had an input. And of course, he and Steve Bruce and the rest of the coaching staff will have talked about the way they wanted to play. And Graham Jones will have had his input, as will Stephen Clements and Steve Agnew. Um, but the, the man had been there 48 hours or whatever it was. Yes, he will have had a, an influence and an input, but I think it would be very harsh to suggest that it was all down to him. <laughs> um, you know, it, as you say, there were flashes, or cer- certainly there were 20 minutes, there was 20 minutes in the Leeds game where they played in a similar vein. Um, Steve reckons there were elements that he saw at Villa that suggested that was, you know, in the offing, but I'm, I'm not convinced I saw that, to be perfectly honest, but he would know his, his team better than me. Um, so, listen, Fresh ideas, a new voice um, will have an impact. Whether it can have an impact that quickly, I'm, I'm not so sure. But um, 
who cares? It's all positive. Whoever's whoever's getting the message across, the message got across, and it uh, and it worked on the day. We'll get back to Damien in just a moment, but just a quick ask of you guys can like and subscribe to the podcast, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a star rating, leave us a review. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Now back to Damien. And then we head into this game against Crystal Palace and a very winnable game. Um, you know, they're on a horrible run of form on the road. They haven't won in four. Uh, you know, they've got some decent players, but I think Steve Bruce will be looking at this game and thinking this is a chance for another three points and another three points towards survival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've you've got to build on on Saturday, yeah. and, and if they play anywhere near the way they played on Saturday, um, you would you would hope they can they can get a similar result. Um, you know that apparently Palace played very well at the weekend. Um, to get a, a, again a good result against the Wolves team that's that's struggling at the moment. Um, you know, you, we all know the danger man. Wolf Sahar is top top quality when he's when he's on his day. Um, but it's not a one man team. Um, but you would have to say if if they can manage to limit him, then they would have a very decent chance of of getting another result. What would another win do for Steve Bruce's future as head coach of Newcastle United? We know he was under immense pressure heading into that Everton game. No win in 11 matches. They've got that. They're a step closer to survival. A win against Crystal Palace and the confidence is building. It is rising after that performance down on Merseyside. What would that do, do you think, for his doubters, for those who say he's not the man for the Newcastle United job? Another win would be massive. Back-to-back wins in the Premier League are difficult to come by when you're in the bottom half of the table, um, and it's all about momentum. You know, if if they can put together another performance like they did at the weekend, you'd you'd fancy you'd fancy them to win it. Um, and at this stage of the season, that 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 could be crucial in terms of giving them a platform to go off, go on and and finish it off. I think generally you would say you need 10 wins in the season to to stay up because you're always going to pick up a few draws along the way as well. Um, and I think if, if they could win on Tuesday night and then go into the, the Southampton game looking for, for three on the trot, you know, that that could be a, a major contribution to, uh, to keeping them up. That's what it would mean in terms of Steve Bruce's position. Well, he's he's in a difficult situation as he has been from the off. You know, some people we know didn't didn't want him um, and don't think he's doing a a good job. Um, he's had a difficult spell, uh, but you would have to say that if he kept them up, he's done what the owner asked him to do. Um, and I suppose in that respect, he'll have he'll have fulfilled his mission. Um, and further ahead than that, if a takeover were to go through, well, that would be for the. The new owners to decide, but um, I suppose in the short term, all he can do is is the job he's been asked to do. One hundred percent, and the job he's been asked to do is simply beat Crystal Palace tomorrow night up at St James's Park. As always, with our special guest Damien, I'll ask you to predict the scoreline tomorrow. It's not everyone's favourite task, but how would you see the game going tomorrow night? Well, I think it'll be a, a tight game. Um, you know, Palace have, have some very decent players, um, Wilfred Zahar and, and Eze in particular, uh, and can be very dangerous when they're on it. Um, they're not great on the road. 
Um, but they'll they'll still be smarting from that uh, that first game down there when Newcastle nicked it with those couple of goals at the end. So they'd have to be very wary. I think if if Newcastle could keep a clean sheet, uh, which is something they've not done at St James's for a long time, that that would go a long way towards getting them a result, um, and certainly build build the confidence from uh, what was a very good performance and result on Saturday. Um, so fingers crossed.